What is truly Troy Weaver's future plan with this entire organization? What's the team supposed to look like next year? What's the five-year plan? What's this team going to look like soon? We're going to talk about all that and give my thoughts on what I believe the Pistons' plan and vision is over the next few years in today's episode of the Locked On Pistons podcast. You are Locked On Pistons, your daily Detroit Pistons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's the deal? Welcome back to another episode of the Lockdown Pistons podcast. Per usual, I'm your host, Kuka Hill. You can find me over on Twitter at Kuka Hill. I want to thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. And if you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. We are just 200 subscribers away from hitting 5K. So I'd love to be able to do that by the end of the season. We got 10 games left. So I'd love to be able to do that. Hit that subscribe button to the YouTube channel if you haven't already or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. On today's podcast, we'll be talking about what are my goals for the final 10 games of the Pistons season. There is just 10 games left. I'll give you guys what my goals are. And then also there's a quote from J.J. Redick where he's talking about the Houston Rockets. And I kind of want to take that quote that he talked about the Houston Rockets and twist it into a way to evaluate the Pistons' young core in season this year. Stay tuned for that later. Um, But first, I, I want to get into Troy Weaver and what his plan is with this team. So just to give some backstory for why I decided this was a topic that we need to discuss today. Um, Over the last few weeks, in the YouTube comments, in the DMs on Twitter, and just in the Pistons community on Twitter at least, um, I've seen you guys arguing in the comments. I've seen the Pistons community arguing over themselves on Twitter, everywhere, all, all the places I'm active at. And I see a lot of fans wondering, what exactly is the plan here? This team has been losing a lot for three straight years. When do they plan on being good? What's the plan here? Is there even a plan there? Or are they just throwing whatever sticks to the wall? And just, What exactly is their plan, basically? And there's been a lot of arguing about it from everywhere I've seen. So I just want to give my thoughts on where I believe the Pistons are at right now. Do they have a vision? Do I trust the vision that they have? And are they moving in the right direction? Um, and the answer I have basically to all of that is yes, I do think they have a vision. I do think, I, I do trust where they're going. I do think they're in a good spot right now. Look, I know the Pistons have lost a lot of games this year, man. I know they're going to be picking to the top of draft again this year, okay? I understand they've lost a lot the last three years, including this year. Um, I understand that. But it really is not as bad as what you guys, a lot of fans seem to think it is. I, I promise you, if you can just remove some of the emotion away from it, remove some of the we want to see wins right now away from it, the Pistons are not in a bad spot at all right now. And you should be feeling really good about the Detroit Pistons' future. I, I understand it's, some people may find that hard to see, but I'm telling you, it's not that it's not that gloom it, or at least dark out there as it may seem, I guess. And I'm going to explain why. The Pistons, at the very least, there's, there's going to be multiple different you know avenues I'm going to go down during this segment, so just stay with me here. But the first thing I want to say is the Pistons have a really damn good core of three guys a really good solid core of three legit players. They have their franchise guy already in Kay Cunningham and Jane Ivy and Jalen Duran look like they could be possible stars 
in the future, possible all-stars in the future. So the big thing that the Pistons have struggled with for 10-plus years since they traded away Chauncey Billis for Allen Iverson was they never were able to get a franchise guy. The one year with Blake, they had a franchise player, but that lasted one year, and he, he lost a leg after that. So they haven't had a franchise player. If you look across the NBA, you see role players that were on the Detroit Pistons, that were drafted by the Detroit Pistons across the NBA all over the place. The Pistons did a good job of attracting or at least drafting or signing good role players, but they never were able to get the franchise player, and that's what held them back, and they have that in Kay Cunningham. The next tough thing to do when you get a franchise guy and you have their face of the franchise is to get legit stars around him, legit possible all-stars around him. And they've done that, I believe, in year two. Year two of Kay Cunningham's career, I understand he only played 12 games this year, so if you don't want to count this year as part of his career this year or this far, I'd understand that. But basically, in year two of his career, the Pistons seem to have found two future all-stars, I believe, next to Kay Cunningham and Jane Ivey and Jalen Duran. That is a really good, solid foundation to have. And to add on top of that, they're about to be adding another top pick in a very strong draft class. If it's Wemby, this thing is going to go to a completely different area, okay? If it's Scoot, same thing. People are really high on Brandon Miller. Heck, it could be the same thing with him. But then there's a bunch of other players that people are really high on too. The Thompson Twins. You have all kinds of guys that we're going to talk about on the podcast soon. But either way, the Pistons have a top pick. And by the way, if they don't get Wemby or Scoot, a draft that's heavy on wings, an area where the Pistons desperately need. That's their biggest area of concern is wings. And they have a top pick and a draft loaded with wings. So the Pistons have a really good foundation and reason to believe they'll be adding even more to that foundation this offseason. So that's number one reason why I feel really good about this team moving forward. Forget the win-loss. I'm really excited about this team moving forward for the next five to seven years. I think they have what it what it takes right now at the core of it to really be a legit team moving forward. That's number one. Number two is it, it, the question that I've been seeing fans raise is, does Weaver have a plan? What exactly is his plan if there is one? So I'm going to direct you guys, for those of you guys on YouTube, you guys will be able to, <clears throat> excuse me, you guys will be able to see it on the screen. But obviously, those of you guys listening on the podcast, I'll explain it for you. But look at this right here. This is the Pistons' future. This is what, you know that future first-round pick that the Pistons traded for the rights to Isaiah Stewart on draft night a few years ago? Here are the protections on this pick. I just want to bring this up, and you guys will see why I'm bringing this up soon. But I want you guys to read this right here. The draft, the first-round draft pick for the Pistons in 2021 to 2022 was top eight protected or top 16 protected. In 23-24, top 18 protected. So the Pistons are getting it. Uh, they're probably going to have it next year. It's top 13 protected in 25. It's top 11 prote- protected in 26. It's top 9 protected in 27. And if it hasn't conveyed by 2027, then it turns into four second-round picks. So let me go ahead and get that off the screen now. You may ask, Ku, why are you bringing that up? Well, I'm bringing that up because I believe that right there very clearly paints for you what the plan is for the Detroit Pistons. They've done a lot of lip service. They'll tell you that things are going to be good. We're trying to win. We're trying to do this, blah, blah. They're going to give lip service to fans. They can't come out and say, hey, we're going to suck because no one's going to buy tickets. No one's going to be interested in the team. They're going to do a lot of lip service. And believe I, or remember, before the season, I told you guys, I believe, 
that this season was not going to be a very high win total, that they were basically going another year with the young guys and we're going to rebuild and let them continue to try to develop and probably lose a lot of games. And that's exactly what ended up happening. But they sold a lot of lip service. But if you look at the protection protections, that tells you the story of what the plan is. And this is why I believe it says. I, I believe it says in 23 and 24, they expect to be competing for the play-in or at least somewhere, if anything, if they are in the play-in, fighting for the play-in, they don't expect to be any higher than an eighth seed. They do not expect to be any higher than the eighth seed in 23, which is this year, or next year in 24. They don't expect that to be the case. In 25, they expect to at least be in the playoffs. They expect to at least be in the playoffs. If they aren't, they're going to have their pick, but they expect to be in the playoffs somewhere in 25. That's when they expect to really hit the playoffs. Because if it wasn't, in 23-24, the protection would be lighter, and they would just give it up at that point. But they know that there's a high chance, or at least they're building, they're not building for this team to be a complete playoff team and, and, and push far into the playoffs or anything in 24. They want to give themselves a little bit of a cushion. So that's what the protections say to me. I feel like if you want to know the story of what the Pistons' future and what their plan is, just go look at the protections that Troy Weaver put on that first-round pick. They don't plan on giving that pick up until 25 when they expect to be in the playoffs for real. So I think they're building through their young guys. They're going to allow these guys to develop. They're going to allow these guys to get better. And this is the last point I'll make. The reason why they're going to do that, and it's something I've mentioned on the podcast before, I know a lot of fans are going to like to hear this, but it's simply the truth. Kay Cunningham is 21 years old. Jay and Ivy is 21 years old. Isaiah Stewart, 21 years old. Killian Hayes, 21 years old. James Wiseman, 21 years old. Jalen Duren is the youngest player in the NBA. Everyone outside Jalen Duren is legitimately five to six years away from even reaching their physical prime. People say your physical prime are usually around like 26, 27. They're like five to six years away from that. This team is incredibly young. Jay, or Jalen Duran is about, you could probably say Jalen Duran is close to nine, 10 years away from his physical prime. The dude's the youngest player in the NBA. So my point in saying that is, is that the Pistons are going to be very patient with their young guys. Do they expect to be better next year? Yes. Are they going to try to put a better product out next year? Yes. But their plan is not to go all in and press go when they're not ready to press go yet. Their young guys won't be ready yet. You're about, we're a few years away from these young guys reaching their prime. There's no reason to press go and to go all in too quickly when your young guys, your foundation is not ready. So I guess I'll wrap this up with, does Tory Reaver have a vision? Yeah, I think he does. I think it's very clearly mapped out to you guys what the plan is in his protections. Should you feel good about that, that, that vision? Well, I'd say so, figuring that you have a franchise player at the center of it, two potential all-stars around him, and then also you're adding another top pick in a stacked draft. I think you should feel pretty pretty good about where this team will be for the next five to seven years. And if it takes them an extra year to really make the playoffs top eight-wise, I'm completely fine with that if that means in three to five years when these guys are in their physical prime, they're ready to go. And when they actually arrive on the scene, they're going to stay and the Pistons will be a powerhouse at that time. I think it's going to take some time. I don't care if it means that next year they don't make the playoffs yet. That doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that they're positioning themselves with nice young players that will grow the same 
or grow around the same rate and really pop onto the scene at the same time. So when the Pistons are ready to press go in a few years, they have a good foundation. I think they do. So I, I feel really good about this team right now. I know it's tough to say that because of what their win loss is this year, but that's not what people should be looking forward to. People should be looking at what's the players they got Do you feel good about these players and what could they look like in three to five years after some more development when they're actually 24 years old, not 21, just turn legal to drink. Shy, last thing I'll say, actually, I know this segment is running really long. I'm getting trouble with Locked On. But Shy Gilgis Alexander is 24 years old. The Thunder are doing what they're doing this year. They've been a really nice team, a fun team to watch. He's 24. Shy is a, is a comparison that people like to make with Kate Cunningham. Kate's 21. So I'd like to think that by 24, that will be what the Pistons are. Would we like to see it happen sooner? Sure. But I'd like to think that by 24, that's what you will see the Pistons doing. And that's what you'll see Kate Cunningham looking like. That's 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 why I'll leave it at. So let me know what you guys think about that in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kukio. When we come back, I want to talk about 10 goals that I have for this team to wrap up the season. Or not 10 goals, but my goals in the final 10 games of the season that we are now at. I'll tell you guys about that coming up. But first, I got to tell you guys about one of our sponsors, FanDuel Sportsbook. The tournament is heating up, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. You can bet on everything from the money line, the point scores, the threes drained. And a player prop that I've been really hammering is Jane Ivey's over and assist. I also, I think from here on out, I would take the over on Killing Hayes' assist as well. He's averaging 9.8 assists over the last five games. I think he's really hitting his stride in that department. That's a player prop I'd really look at. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more and make every moment more. That's FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So I want to thank you guys again for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Lockdown Pistons. Hit that subscribe button or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. That's another great way to support the podcast. Um, so that first segment ran a little bit long. And there actually is some other things I wanted to say about it real quick so I can put a bow on it. I don't want to leave anything unturned and have you guys thinking, are you getting confused about something or not understanding what I'm saying? Um, so I, we're going to talk about the goals I have for the rest of the season, but just let me tie, put a bow on this, okay? Last thing I, I really want to hammer home is, could Troy Weaver, could he go out this offseason and make a bunch of moves that could put this team into a playoff position next season? Yeah, he could. He could do that, definitely. Could there have been a route that he maybe could have taken to where this team could have been a playoff or a play-in team this year? Are there moves he could have made to do that? Possibly. I'm sure there was. However, does that mean this is why I need people to understand? That would be sacrificing the future. You would be sacrificing the long-term goals of building with Kay Cunningham and your two youngsters that are around him and Jane Ivey and Jalen Duran. Could they, again, could they do that this year? Could they have just went all in this year and try to make a plan? Yeah, they could have. Could they do it next year? Could they just go all in and try to make a top eight playoff-wise? Yeah, they could do that. 
and you, everyone would be able to say, oh, look, they won more games. The rebuild obviously must be on the same uh, on the right track. But that doesn't necessarily – that's not necessarily the case. One loss is the biggest – I think it's the most fluky way to evaluate rebuilds in early stages. It's, it's, it's a fluky way of doing it. Every rebuild is different. The Pistons have a solid three-man young core right now that is at the age of 21. They have some pieces around them that I think will be at least bench players, and they have another another pick coming up that's going to be another 2021-year-old. 20, so what's the point? I This is the question I asked to you guys, and then we move on to the goals. What's the point in rushing to go all in, sacrificing cap space, sacrificing future assets, trading away possible young guys that may in a few years be really good role players and have the fan base saying, oh, there's another Chris Milton, there's another Spencer Dinwiddie, they're always good outside the Pistons. What's the point in doing that to get immediate success if that means you're possibly putting yourself in cap hell or you're putting yourself at a further disadvantage in two or three years when your main guys are hitting their prime? Don't you want to be able to make the most moves or whatever moves you want? and be in the best position possible to strike when your guys are ready, when your main guys are ready to do so? Isn't that what you want to do? I'd much rather would have this team develop slowly, build around their young guys, let them develop, and when Cade Cunningham is in his physical prime or nearing it, around 23, 24 years old, when Jane Ivey is nearing it, around 23, 24 years old, when Jalen Duran at least isn't old enough to drink at 21, 22 years old, when those guys have a few years under their belt, they're reaching their prime to then make the moves, to go all in and make moves to do that. That's what I much rather would do because I think that sustains your success longer and puts yourself in a better position team-building-wise long-term. So that, that I, and I think that's what he's doing. I think that's what Troy Weaver is doing. You've seen him keep cap space flexible with the two-year contracts, the team deal, the team options on the second-year contracts with all these guys he gets. He keeps the cap space open. He keeps making these little trades on the side, but nothing has really taken their flexibility away. And at the heart of it, they've made sure to give their young guys a ton of time to develop and a bunch of reps. And you add James Wiseman to it. He's another 21-year-old. Again, I just think that this team, they're not building for 2024 to be the year they arrive on the scene. I don't think they're really building for 25 to be the year they arrive on the scene. I think they really want to arrive on the scene. And when I say that, I mean like be a legit playoff team. I do think they need to be better next year. Don't make that, don't get confused with that. I do think they need to be better next year. I do think they are. I think they just naturally will be. And I think they'll make some additions on the, on the wings that will obviously make them better. I think they will be a fine team next year. And then the following year, I think possibly there'll be a playoff team possibly. But I don't think he's Troy Weaver is willing to make any moves that will help them maybe this year or maybe next year. I, they're not, he's not going to make any moves that do that that possibly could put them in a tough position or a harder position to really build around Cade, Jalen Duran, and Jay Ivey in this upcoming draft pick in 25, 26, 27 when they're in their primes. You want to be able to do whatever you want to do at that point. And you, in the meantime, let them grow. Let them develop. Again, I said Shy SGA is, at tw- is 24 years old and they're doing this. By 24 for Cade, they'll be ready. But we're a long time away from that. People need to – fans, I feel like, need to understand just how young this team is, man. They're, they are – Jalen Duran is like nine years away from his prime. Like I said that already, but I want to hammer that home. He's legit is like eight to nine years away from his prime. That's how young they are. So you got to just give it time. 
They're going to get better next year. They're not going to be a bomb five team next year, but that doesn't mean they're going to be home run hitters either. So just give it time. They have a vision. It's very clearly laid out in my opinion, and they have a good foundation to go with it. So I think everyone should feel happy about where this team is going. Is going, And I feel confident about the way Weaver's going about it. I like it. I think it's smart. I, there's no need to be aggressive just to be aggressive. You'd rather be smart and strike when it's your turn, not be aggressive and then end up like the Atlanta Hawks when they're constant, now they're scrambling over the last few years because they went all in on one year and then their future was screwed afterwards. You want to strike when it's the right time. I don't think it's the right time yet. So that, that, I just wanted to give my thoughts on it. We went on for 20 minutes about that. We might not be able to do the other topic I wanted to talk about. But I feel like that was really important, and I really wanted to get my thoughts on that out, out the way. Um, Anyways, I guess real quickly, we won't spend much time with it, but just some goals that I have for the Pistons over the final 10 games um, of the Pistons season. There's only 10 games left. The seasons went by extremely fast. Man, I feel like just I feel like just last month the season was just begun. It it goes by so fast, it's crazy. Um, but so 10 goals that I have for this team, or not 10 goals, I keep saying that. Goals I have over the 10 games left in the season. First one is I want to see James Wiseman continue to put good stuff on tape and I'd like to see him get better with his decision making when it comes to shot selection and making passes out of the paint that's one goal I, I think that is a major thing for his development and something they need to see uh, because he's attracting a lot of attention inside and a lot of shots that he misses are just simply bad shots but he doesn't pass them out he tries to force them so if he's able to do that his efficiency will go up and it'll just make him a tougher guy to guard when they know that he's capable of passing out if you put too much attention on him. So I want to see him grow in that department. Um, Jane Ivy, I'd like to see him continue grow, continue to grow as a point guard and, and as a playmaker and with his decision-making. I think he, we've seen him make nice strides in that department, um, but I'd like to see him continue to grow. Um, Jalen Duran, I'd like to see him just get healthy, man. I think that's the main thing with him. Like he's he's getting beat up lately, so I I'd like to just see him just get healthy, man. Just just please get healthy. Isaiah Livers, I'd like to see him play at least nine of these final ten games. Can we get that out of Livers so we can get an idea of what he can be moving forward? And then Killian Hayes, I have a goal of him just after the first ten games. So if you take the first ten games away, I want him to get above forty percent shooting since those ten games and to get above thirty percent from three. Uh, since those 10 games. So right now he's at 39%, and 29%, uh, 39% from the field, 29% from the three-point range. Obviously that streak after the Paris game really destroyed where he was at. He was at 40% and 33% of the season from deep. Then that stretch after the Paris game really sank it back down again. I'd like to see him get it back up so we can look at after the Paris game and say, hey, he was able to cross that 40% mark, uh, barrier. He was able to cross that 30% from deep barrier and feel better about him moving forward. That's a goal I have for him. And then Marvin Bagley, I'd like to see him just stay healthy, be able to play the rest of the games, and and show us some improvement or some consistency on the boards or show some kind of improvement defensive-wise. Um, because I think we already know he's a scorer, but like I don't know. He can. He's probably not going to be able to do anything in the final 10 games to really change anyone's mind, really. But I, I would just like to see it because this team needs something. We need to see something improve and something to feel better about over the final 10 games. Um, and also, I'd like to see Buddy Bayheim eventually hit a three at some point over the, over the final 10 games if he's going to continue to get play time. Um, 
Let me know what, what your guys' goals you have for the team over the final 10 games of the season. Also, again, let me know what you guys thought about what I said about this team's future, about where they're at, where they're heading, this team's overall vision and plan and foundation. Let me know what you guys think about that. Do you guys agree? Let me know in the comment section down below or over on Twitter at Kook Hill. Coming up, uh, J.J. Redick said, has some words about the Houston Rockets. I think we can use his words about the Houston Rockets for the Pistons to evaluate where they're at in their rebuild and how this season went. So stay tuned for that. But first, you guys got to hear from some of our sponsors. So I want to thank you guys again for making Locked On Pistons your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all your podcast platforms. If you haven't already, head to the YouTube channel at Locked On Pistons. Hit that subscribe button. We are 200 subscribers away from 5,000 subscribers. So please hit that subscribe button over at the YouTube channel or leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to us on. It's another great way to support the podcast. Um, so th- this this kind of go back to what we've talked about the majority of this podcast. Um, just the pisses, where are they at right now? How should people view it? And a, another way I want to kind of, you know, bolster the Pistons rebuild about where they're at, try to give it another, you know, backing, you know, some more backing that they're in a fine spot or in a better spot than some people think or could be in a worse spot. Um, I wanted to read this quote from J.J. Reddick. Now, J.J. Reddick has a podcast, The Old Man, and the three, uh, this was off his special episode that he called the old man and the three things. I advise you guys to check it out. Uh, I've listened to it all, every, almost every single time they post an episode. It's an amazing podcast. I love what he has to say. Um, but he said this about Houston. It's a longer quote, so stay with me, but you'll get you, you'll see where I'm going here. He says, quote, Houston is a mess. There's a difference to me between building towards winning basketball and the opposite of that, which is what the Houston Rockets are doing. There should be a clear hierarchy on the team. There shouldn't be a scenario where a player doesn't get the basketball in the half court and puts his hands on his hips and walk a, walks around. There shouldn't be a scenario where it's my turn, your turn. There shouldn't be a scenario where it's clear from body language that one player doesn't like playing with another player. And then you're in a position where the guy you've drafted third overall is literally swimming in the middle of the ocean with no life raft for an entire NBA season. For me, that's what's happened with Houston. As an outside observer, the evidence points to dysfunction. Now, I I believe tomorrow I'll be recording with Roosh Williams. He he was on the podcast before uh, the season started. He's a big Houston Rockets guy. He covers them over there, and we recorded an episode before the year. So he'll be hopping on the podcast this week to talk with us, and we're going to be reevaluating what we were saying about our teams before the season and see how it looked throughout the season. Um, so just stay tuned for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. But my takeaway from this quote for the Pistons is that, yes, they lost a lot of games this year. They were without Kay Cunningham. Yes, they lost a lot of games this year. But combined with what I said throughout this podcast, with what what J.J. Redick just said about the Houston Rockets, you don't have that happening for the Pistons. You don't have dysfunction happening with the Pistons. You don't have players obviously looking like they're unhappy. You don't have players, you know, showing that they don't really like their head coach. You don't have players showing that they may not like the players they're playing on the floor together with. You don't have, I feel like, at least the Pistons young players out there looking like they're left out there to fend for themselves. And they don't have their top pick in Jay and Ivy looking like he's out there with no life raft out there. I think the Pistons, I think the Pistons are building towards winning basketball. They're losing, but they're building, like their process is still the right way, I feel like. 
they're not doing what Houston's doing. And we'll, we'll get a bigger idea of what, or a better idea of what Houston's doing when we talk with Roosh, um, get like an inside perspective. But from an outside perspective, like JJ mentioned, this is the kind of stuff Houston has going on in their rebuild. So yes, the Pistons didn't win a lot of games this year. And yes, Cade missed all basically all of this season. But the Pistons not only have seen improvement from Ivy and Duran over the course of their rookie season, you've seen bright spots from Isaiah Stewart. You've seen bright spots and improvement from Hamadou Diallo. You've added another guy in James Wiseman. You've seen some bright spots and improvement from Killing Hayes. Not only have you had all that happen, the team stays together. The team loves each other. Like these guys love playing with each other. They feel like a, a brotherhood. They want each other to succeed. They go out there and they play for each other. You, that that is and, and whether we like Dwayne Casey or not, whether you guys like Dwayne Casey or not, this team plays for him. This team plays for him, and he hasn't had any mutinies happen. He hasn't had guys come out and and, and openly you know tweet about them or like tweets saying Dwayne Casey screwing me over or liking tweets saying oh he shouldn't have benched me. Like we don't have that happening over in Detroit. So again, the wins may not be coming right now yet, but improvement development's happening. And guys are still bought into the overall future, bought into the overall culture. And the Pistons, I think that's where we'll wrap it up in the podcast. The Pistons are building a culture that players are buying into. You can see that culture being built. From an outside perspective, you can't say that about Houston. And that's a huge problem when you're in a rebuild. Houston has a ton of talent, no doubt. I I think they have a ton of talent. But I think, like JJ said, from an outside perspective, they don't have much of a culture. And they have dysfunction happening and as much as you want to attract talent you want to get talent which i think the pistons have as much as you want to see improvement and development amongst amongst your young guys i think the pistons have seen that another main part of rebuilding especially when you're always losing during rebuilding years at the beginning a main part of that is while the losing you build a culture that guys are buying into that's not a losing culture i think the pistons have that and you when looking at other rebuilds like houston that should make you feel even more confident about the way Detroit is moving and where they're ending up and what they're trying to build. So we'll wrap it up there. That's my thoughts there. Let me know what you guys thought about the podcast today and all my thoughts, comment section down below or over on Twitter. Again, hit that subscribe button to YouTube channel, Lockdown Pistons, just 200 subscribers away from 5,000 subscribers trying to get there before the end of the season. So please, again, head to the YouTube channel, Lockdown Pistons. Thank you guys for making Lockdown Pistons your first listen of every single day. Free and available on all your podcast platforms. Leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. And until next time, I'll see you guys later. Stay safe. Go Pistons. And until next time, peace out.